Welcome to KC Corner, episode 122. First time back upstairs, uh, 8 a.m. on a Wednesday. Yeah, it feels good. It We've feels been on familiar. Zoom a lot. I know. You know, <laughs> we are just branching out, but it always feels good to kind of come back to your home arena. Yeah, you know? yeah. We're te- tech savvy, and our home arena is like 82 degrees. You know, we have to turn the <laughs> AC down so we, the listeners don't have a whooshing sound. The, in the exactly. Background. We were always thinking of the listeners. And you have a new Mac. Man. Yes, a new MacBook. You just got to hear the speakers. It's a, it's an incredible machine technology it is it is awesome (laughs) you know where are we going with technology it's it's just think about i had one of the first macs way back when when i was a youth pastor you know Mm -hmm. it's like carrying around a big briefcase and at that time was the coolest thing going but Mm -hmm. look at where we are oh yeah it's awesome i know you got to hear the the speakers too when we were on zoom and the yeah it's it's incredible it is so nice we're we're, we're super techie here we are techie hey we're at 122 you know we no longer have like numbers we could throw out no. so you, you know what i think about in the 120s what do you think about i think about the psalms of ascent so the psalms of ascent uh starting in really 120 is uh uh they they are they were used to recite as they were ascending up into the jerusalem up to the temple and mm-hmm. so there's some beautiful psalms of ascent and uh so hey we're kind we got of something the, go yeah. go read it go read <laughs> exactly. it exactly there's some really good ones <laughs> Anyway, but, sorry for that. But no, uh, no worries. No worries. So we're wrapping up our uh, topic of Christian education that we've been uh, doing the past four weeks with some different interviews of your son, Caleb, uh, Tom Argersinger, Matt Moore, and then your daughter, Jesse Fleming. Yes, uh, indeed. And, you know, really underneath that, or or maybe probably better said, overarching all of that Christian education is really a Christian worldview. And uh, today's uh, church, you know, living out our Christian life, uh, how important is it for us to have a Christian worldview? And it's got to start with education and, you mm-hmm. know, and, and being able to pass off an understanding of what does the Bible teach and mm-hmm. why is that important and how amazingly important is that right now, Brooks, because, you know, as the culture is heading in such a different direction, it's so easy to follow. It's mm-hmm. so easy to be just washed away by the latest thoughts around us. I mean, scripture, even way back when, was like, hey, learn this doctrinal stuff so you don't get knocked around by the waves that are around you. And it's so true even now. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, school it's pretty is, great. School can definitely help that. Obviously, we talked about it starts at home, but school can supplement that for sure with a Christian education. Yeah, and, you know, it was nice. We had Tom Argersinger, who has been involved in Christian education at, at some of the highest levels. And we've had those who went through it. And then, you know, we had like Matt Moore, who had the experience of homeschool, public school, and Christian school to be able to kind of look at all those things, which is pretty darn neat. Mm-hmm. And we've done the interviewing so far for those four episodes. So I'd like to take a chance to ask you a few questions to help wrap up this topic yeah. as we, and before we move on. That sounds great. And by the way, just so everybody knows, I have not seen any of these questions. So uh, <laughs> this is off the cuff, folks. Oh, yeah. This is off the cuff for me, is. too. Yes. It's, it's always this for you and me. <laughs> yes, I love absolutely. That. Absolutely. So you were, were you a youth pastor when Jesse was going to school? You know, I was, I I was, I started off, I think Jesse and JP, I mean, let's see, uh, Brooks, you could probably help me do the math. I was a youth (laughs) pastor from really uh, 92 to uh, 2002. So yeah, my kids were born in 89, 92, 95, and 97. And so, hey, I want to shout out to my four kids. I got that right. You (laughs) You nailed it. You nailed it. So yes, so they were all born when dad was a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, and by the way, complete side note, I know you want to go somewhere, but let me just say, 
I think it was wonderful for my kids to start growing up without me being the lead pastor. It kind of, mm-hmm. there's less pressure, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, when you're the youth pastor's kids, they expect you to be weirdos because their dad's a weirdo. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so she was. I know you talked about, you know, at first you were like, oh, they're going to public school because they're going to be athletes, big football players, volleyball players, everything <laughs> like that. But when it actually got time when Jesse was going into kindergarten or pre-K, was there any, you know, chance she was going to public school or another school? No, I don't think so. And I think uh, part of that had to do with God's providence. But let me let me back up and say that, you know, that that changed over time. When I Katie and I got married, I mean, I was kind of, you know, bowing up saying, hey, our kids are going to not go to, you know, some <laughs> Christian school. And the interesting thing with Christian education really started with Katie because her first year out of college, out of Florida Southern, the Harvard of the South, Mm-hmm. She taught at Pine Castle Christian School. Okay, so she taught at a Christian school before we had any kids and had that. And then when we moved to New Jersey, she taught at another Christian school called Timothy Christian School. So Katie was a teacher in the Christian school environment early on. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, from day one of our marriage, mm-hmm. that's where she was. And so uh, all that to say, um, interestingly, uh, you know, so I was like, no, 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 it can never happen. I didn't want that to happen. And really, it wasn't because um, of a worldview or even where, you know, public schools at that time were not, didn't have the agenda mm-hmm. that they seemingly have today. Not that they weren't liberal, but mm-hmm. it's, it wasn't consuming liberal, you know, yeah. you know. And so, um, but you're right, Brooks, it really had to do with the athletic and social environment that a public school offered. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't have any comparison of a Christian school that could come close. You know, you went to Orangewood where your your baseball team competed at the highest level. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no school around that I knew that would allow a child to go to have an athletic experience. I When we went to public school or Christian school with my kids, um, I just figured my dream of football was out mm-hmm. because they didn't have football at the time. And then when Caleb gets in the middle school and you guys play football, you know, and I wish you had some better coaching and some better uh, opportunities. But, you know, when Caleb got knocked into uh, the previous week uh, on a tackle <laughs> and was literally concussed on the sidelines saying some of the funniest things, oh, but, yeah. oh, you yeah. know, you, probably as a parent, you should be a little more concerned, but it was, it was loopy stuff, you know? And, uh, um, but you realize, okay, um, I, I, kind of experienced the dream not mm-hmm. only did he play football he played quarterback when mm-hmm. i played and it was like wow this is awesome you know and uh um all of a sudden he's concussed we're like well there goes football <laughs> so uh yeah we didn't anyway. have the best middle school football experience we all played one season when we went zero and six yeah we just were so bad well really. it wasn't all your fault i mean again i think that at that time trying to get a program up you had some great people volunteering that probably you know just just the way the play calling was and mm-hmm. different things it was uh I still remember that time at Trinity where the first play of the game, didn't Caleb throw it to you? Oh, yeah. Right, right oh, on yeah. the sidelines and <laughs> yes. you caught it. And why the one, you get in the end zone? The one highlight. The one highlight awesome. of the season. <laughs> it was great. But, you know, l- l- let me uh, – do you want to piggyback off that? I was going to say one Yeah, I, I had a question kind of about sports too because I remember my dad was starting to help Alan Kunkel uh, with the varsity baseball team when I was in like fourth and fifth grade. And I remember, and that's when the high school was still at the lower campus. And it was a tiny school. I don't know yeah. how many people were graduating. Let's call it like 
30 or 40 students in a mm-hmm. graduating class. And at that time, like baseball was my life. And I was thinking like, are they even going to have a team when I'm a right. senior? Like I was like, am I going to have to transfer and go to a different school? Cause all my friends were in the public school system at that point. So it was interesting to see like, what did you notice from, I think Jesse and Allie are seven years apart, the transition and how much it grew and, and the differences from when they went through school? Well, great question. You know, when uh, Jesse, um, it, it, there's been a major shift early on in Christian education. What I could see is that uh, people wanted to get their kids into Christian education for the elementary ages mm-hmm. and then transition them middle school, high school, back into public school. And the thought was probably in the 90s, let's get a foundation, a Christian foundation to our kids and then release them out into the public school. Mm-hmm. And when things started getting worse in public schools, um, uh, as far as, you know, whether it was violence or, or you know, drugs or other things, there there's really quickly started to be a shift where it was, you know, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll take our chance in the public school for elementary. I mean, mm-hmm. and then we'll try to get them here in middle school and high school for those more formative years, which, again, as you know, if you're a lifer going through, it creates that awkward entry point for some mm-hmm. of those students through middle school and high school. So that was biggest shift, number one. Number two, with big shift, Brooks, which was very interesting to me, was like Jesse, uh, let's talk about sports. Jesse won two state volleyball championships back to back, and she really should have run three. Uh, but but that's a whole nother story. But they were all homegrown kids. What mm-hmm. I mean by that is, you know, the the uh, uh, Varnell girl, the Pet Cabbage girl. I mean, the, the Jesse, uh, Meg Weathersby. Uh, they were um, uh, they were all they were all lifers, mm-hmm. and so it wasn't like they transferred in. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest change I saw was when specifically baseball was gaining prominence at Orangewood. It was when there was an influx of of all of a sudden people would want to show up, yep. not for the Christian worldview, not for uh, you know anything to do. It was more of this is the baseball platform to be at, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, and it was weird because at the time I was pastor, and so you, all of a sudden you see like, huh, where are these people coming from? And we had some fantastic baseball players, but it kind of it felt to me like it was a watering down of. The, the 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 mission of mm-hmm. of really uh, especially if your school is is what uh, uh, what is called a covenant model school where you're supposed to partner with Christian parents if it was an outreach school hey all bets are off mm-hmm. get anybody you can and tell them about Jesus it's a great thing mm-hmm. so that's the biggest shift Brooks and I, I saw a shift and again I think I could pinpoint exactly what happened I think mm-hmm. Winter Park baseballs program had a coach that was difficult they had mm-hmm. a star player with a big name yep. who makes a transition to a little school and all of a sudden that little school's on the map and mm-hmm. and now boom you know we have we have a graduate who's playing for the Mets we got you know somebody in triple a I mean they, they we've 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 been able to launch baseball players since mm-hmm. yeah and it was kind of specific to that sport because really I remember the soccer team basically having the same type of success, you know, going to state championships and everything. And those were homegrown kids in my years, like Blake Daniel, Ben Overbeek, Trevor Hudson, Nick Bond, like all of those guys were lifers. And even, you know, think about the football team, like there weren't a ton of transfers, you know, a few here and there, but not a ton of transfers coming into the other sports as well. Yeah. Uh, in soccer, when you don't have football was, was, was big. Mm-hmm. And then, um, when we got Sebastian Janikowski and he might've been the first one that came in that was, 
you know, like, okay, where, where did this kid come from? He, mm-hmm. he came from Poland, literally. Yep. And, you know, and he wound up at our school and he was a man among boys playing soccer. I mean, that mm-hmm. guy was obviously went on to an amazing football career with FSU and then the Oakland Raiders and one of the greatest kickers uh, of, of, of the time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that, that was it. But let me, let me go back and say, double back and say, you know, Christian education's door was open for me by God's providence and grace, where it probably wouldn't have been if I wasn't employed as a youth pastor, youth director at a time when um, I was connected to a church with a school, you know? And Mm -hmm. so that was an amazing perk that I had. So, you know, my kids in a lot of ways went to a Christian school um, with kids whose parents, uh, made more money than I did, you know, a lot more money. You know, the only reason I got in is because, hey, I'm a staff member, mm-hmm. a pastor on staff. Uh, that was a perk that and we, we had to pay for two, uh, for, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, every year there was a fee. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but there was a couple of fees that you had of, of just kind of signing up every year. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I didn't have to pay the tuition. I had to pay the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, even that was a struggle, you yeah. know? And so, so, I would love to tell you, hey, Katie and I prayerfully sat down and over a cup of coffee, we continue to wrestle with mm-hmm. where are we sending our kids? And we came up with a prayerful decision of Christian school option. Mm-hmm. It was more like God opened a door and we had an opportunity for a Christian school education and we took it and mm-hmm. we're so glad. I mean, I had four lifers. So mm-hmm. so when you transitioned to head pastor, what were the conversations? I know they were probably still pretty young then, but were there any differences or what you talked to your kids about? You know, I tried not to be. Um, uh, and, I, and again, I think that they were uh, nicely sheltered. I, don't, I think that it provided more than anything um, an incubation for them where when that transaction with that transaction the transition there you I should go. say there you go happened um you know i don't think i, I try to make sure nothing changed with me and nothing mm-hmm. changed with my reaction to them and uh you know it's funny because i remember being that that lead pastor in a christian school and if my child uh ever had a problem with a ch- christian school and they didn't usually but i remember hearing stories like you know um, I love this, that the t- teacher in a Bible class said, hey, you know, Jake's kid, you should know this. Your, mm-hmm. your, uh, your dad's a pastor. And, mm-hmm. and then I think one of the responses, well, well, you know, does that mean that he knows how to fix teeth because his dad's a <laughs> dentist, you know? And so, uh, uh, and so that, was, that was good. And I think, again, there were, there were some side perks to what I did that, uh, it's a terrible way to say it, but God used my... Uh, calling to help shape their calling. So here's what I want to say. When I drove them to Christian school and back, I was oftentimes listening to the catechism tape. Mm-hmm. I was trying to memorize things to try to get through seminary. That's what good, good, good benefit of being there for eight years. Mm-hmm. So they had a, they saw dad growing. They mm-hmm. saw dad. And I, I, even today, if I ask my kids some catechism questions, they'll start singing it because they memorized it because mm-hmm. it was in there, which is really kind of cool. And I don't think the transition is, you mentioned that I could picture when I what was called, it was November, I think I was installed November of 2002. And so again, Jesse was born in 89, JP is 92. So they, they were, they were young. I mean, mm-hmm. so they were, um, but you know, I, I think it changed for them. I mean, all of a sudden they probably 
you probably know more than I do. What was it like <laughs> having a pastor's kid as a best buddy? You well, know? I was going to say the, cause I went to school with Caleb K through 12 and had a bunch of classes with him and the teachers never made it awkward or like, nice. you know, pointed out him, like his dad is the pastor, like behave right. around him or he's right. our boss. Like they, <laughs> they treated him like any other kid That's good. Uh, and, uh, and he got in trouble and got yeah. detentions like everyone else did. So. <laughs> no, not Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So that was, so I, you know, Christian education, um, I, I wish I could tell uh, the Casey corner world that, Hey, that was such a priority to us that we knew that we had to shape these young minds in a Christian worldview. Katie and I did know that the education for our children with a Christian worldview was our responsibility first and foremost, mm-hmm. but the Christian school option opened up and it was such a blessing. And mm-hmm. so I know there's gotta be people listening, um, that are wrestling with that. Can I, can we afford it? I mm-hmm. mean, can, can we make that sacrifice? It was a sacrifice for Katie and me. Don't get me wrong. We did have to have skin in the game, but we couldn't have afforded it if mm-hmm. it wasn't for that, that blessing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think that's a great place to end the Christian education topic. Anything you want to say before we move on? No, I'm just kind of reiterate. Well, yes, there is. So, uh, <laughs> of course. Just to reiterate the fact of, uh, you know, it's so important, whoever you are and whatever influence God has put you in, whether it's nieces and nephews around you or children or grandchildren, you know, let's be pressing upon our young people um, the good news of the gospel, the, you know, the the that Jesus does love us and, mm-hmm. and uh, from the earliest of ages would be so important. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we can move on to what you meant to say this past week as we wrapped up God's Family Values Part 13. A, a, marath- <laughs> Lucky 13. a, half, a half marathon of a sermon series. <laughs> 13.1. Uh, uh, wrapping up with hospitality. Brooks, the funny thing is, is I really felt like hospitality would be an easy landing after having uh, justice and mercy and followed by forgiveness. I mean, we had we had some heavy things mm-hmm. toward the end, and I, I felt God's pleasure preaching them. I really felt like there was some important things that were said of God's family values. Oh, hospitality, this is going to be a nice way. And we really were excited that this could dovetail into the fact that we see at King's Chapel the need to, uh, what we say, kind of increase the evangelistic temperatures. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the, the language, uh, really, Charlie uh, Woodward helped us come up with. Um, so we thought this would be nice. We can help. Hey, are we seeing people around us? And um, so preparing for this, Brooks, I, I read that Rosaria Butterfield's The Gospel comes with a uh, with a house key. I had it in the past. I, I've looked at it, but this time I really uh really listened to it more than read it i put Mm -hmm. it i put it on tape and and uh um it convicted me so much brooks i mean this was this was this was the one you know every sermon that you preach if you're going to preach it well the holy spirit really convicts you and you know um there was a guy uh i think i think it's richard baxter that was a puritan in england around the 1600s that said preach what thou dost smartly feel and what he was saying is, you know, if God is really working in your heart, you preach that. And so I didn't go into this thinking, oh, I'm going to really have on my heart hospitality. But I was brokenhearted in the preparation mm-hmm. of this realizing, do I see my neighbors? Do mm-hmm. I really see them? And do I really know them? And do I really care for them? You know, it's we love sitting on the back here and watching hockey games. We love our own little posse, whether that's going to golf with your buddies and you know, and I think those are important. I don't think we give all those up, obviously, but where where do we where do we intentionally mm-hmm. embrace 
those around us? Mm-hmm. You know, where do we invite them in? And uh, and that's where I was convicted of the fact that we got to create room for those outside the family. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact is that God, God, how can he value those outside the family? But that's what he does because that's we were all outside the family mm-hmm. and his grace brought us in. I mean, going again back to when we were kids, you always opened up your house you and katie always opened up your house when we were little middle schoolers running around playing yeah. video games till like 3 a.m <laughs> and you always said like you'd rather us be there and oh, we're always sure. welcome and you know it's one of the few houses where we did always feel welcome um you know some yeah. of our friends you're intimidated by their parents yeah. feel like you shouldn't be there you can't mess anything up on the couch like yeah. you know it, when we got here it was all about fun and it's you know awesome. we were respectful of it but you always opened up your house uh, to the kids well thank you and i think that there's that that's one side of it you you know, and it's it, that's probably a little bit more self-serving because it is. It's more comfortable when you know where your kids are, and mm-hmm. we wanted to be a place. I love it because Katie intentionally kept the snack drawer pretty full because oh, yeah. if we had kids over, you know, then they would know where to go, and uh, <laughs> we we wanted that. So that's that's easy with our kids, um, but you know, the, the the bigger thing is you know my neighbors, uh, mm-hmm. literally, and and uh, you know I I think back of. The most I've done with my neighbors was when hurricanes came through. You know, mm-hmm. it, it took a uh, natural disaster <laughs> you know, for uh, for us to really kind of interact. And I just don't think that that's right. So, you know, with that, how does the how does my personal life create room for those outside? How does our church create room? And uh, uh, what does that look like? And I don't have all the answers, but I know it's got to be a priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Something that I'm definitely not the best at is uh, connecting with others around me, my neighbors. Like I, I have a pretty close circle and just something I'm, I'm definitely not very good at. But, you know, I think that that's probably a true of a lot of people, Brooks. I mean, you know, you're we're all comfortable with what we're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you got a lot to give. And, you know, you uh, don't forget that. I mean, just, just the fact that, uh, A, you got Jesus in the gospel. You have a hope that they don't have. You mm-hmm. got a uh, God has blessed you with... with what a non-believer doesn't have. And we got to believe that. Now, I don't say that like disparagingly toward the outside world. If they don't have Jesus, they don't have life and life abundantly, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so don't minimize the fact of what you do have. I mean, mm-hmm. you're a fairly decent looking, very bright, uh, <laughs> Young man, it's a, you got a lot to offer. I just thought about the Ron Swanson quote from Parks and Rec. He was like, I had a coworker I sat next to her for 20 years, never said a word to her. She was my favorite coworker of all time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that, that is the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, though, fun, though a funny quote, and yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. feels right, uh, not not what we're called to do. Yeah, which, which is, uh, and it's it, it's risk-taking entering in, you mm-hmm. know. And and I'm the opposite side, I, and not to say it's better, but I love stories, you know, mm-hmm. like, so Katie and I, this week, we zipped into Marshall's, um, she had a gift card, and by the way, I got a cool sun hat, uh, Mission nice. hat, you ever, ever heard of a cat, hat company called Mission? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't know it. So, Those are nice. So, so I got a little <laughs> Mission hat, but anyway, and the uh, the clerk that, that checked us out, um, he was, I don't know if he was, oh, he said he was born in Spain, mm-hmm. and so, um, goes to UCF. Mm-hmm. You know, he grew up playing sports. He's telling me, I miss playing sports. And so here we are checking out at Marshall's. And I'm hearing about the guy's story. Hey, what are you studying? And, you know, what, what's uh, you, you know, your business degree? All right, that's fantastic. You know, what year are you in? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, what sports did you play? And it didn't turn necessarily to what church do you go to? Or if you were to die tonight, do you know where do you mm-hmm. go? But for me, 
that I love that. I love to find stories. I, mm-hmm. I'm really intrigued of like, you know, hey, where are you from? And, mm-hmm. you know, what what happened? But as my daughter, Jessie, uh, and my kids know so well, she, she was mentioning my personality. She went to church and she said, Dad, I love going to a church where I feel like I see your ministry and the pastor, you know, and it makes my heart just sing. And she talked about how much he knew about their personal stories. Mm-hmm. And she mentioned, well, you know, with, with that gathering of knowledge, there's always some overstepping. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I do sometimes. It's like, you know, I probably ask questions that are embarrassing or I've gone too far or, you know, it's none of your dang business, <laughs> Pastor Jakes. Uh, but so God's giving me my personality. He's giving you your personality. But, you know, who's he put in your life? in the in the baseball cloud world that mm-hmm. that uh just being you and mm-hmm. so just be intentional to just think through you know how how am i doing this it'd be yeah. important and people want to talk about themselves too they always want to tell stories oh about gosh, themselves yeah. you know sometimes you can like you said cross those borders but yeah. people once you do connect with them they want to talk about themselves there's no doubt and i think what we always look for is common ground mm-hmm. and you know maybe it's harder and harder to find that sometimes because you know you you went especially with a uh, somebody who's doesn't have any relationship with God or whatever, you know, how do you find that? And then, you know, you and I know that sports is an incredible common ground. You know, mm-hmm. you got UCF, you know, that connects you to your UCF buddies mm-hmm. and, and different things. So, yeah. Absolutely. So what yeah. do we, now that God's Family Values sermon series is done. What no is more God's out? Family Values. No more. Out the window. Yeah, see ya. No more values. <laughs> well, we are going to start a sermon series uh, and it's going to be the 11th of September on David. I don't mm-hmm. have the title yet, you know, David, Heart After God or, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. So, but it's going to be, it's going to be 10 weeks about King David. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to look, look excited about is I want to look at David as a friend, David as a sinner, David as a repenter, uh, David as a warrior, uh, David as in different, um, the, the, the different roles that David played. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to glean from his life. I mean, David, the worshiper, I mean, the guy who wrote so many of the Psalms. I mean, the guy who fought Goliath, the mm-hmm. guy who would become king, the guy who became an adulterer and a murderer, the guy who, there's there's a lot there. But what I what I really hope to is, and with this, what I hope to say in this series coming up is, um, David is in the line of Jesus, and there's a promised king that would come uh, in the line of David uh, that is going to make all things right. And as good as a king that David was, he wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And um, we had to. The Old Testament leaves us longing. There's got to be a better David. Where is he going to come from? And it points to Jesus. So. Uh, it's it's a great uh, opportunity for us to look at a one of the biggest figures in the Old Testament and see the shadow that he cast that should be really uh, impacting our life, but more than anything, the shadow that he cast that points to Jesus. Beautiful. And that should lead us all the way to Advent, huh? Yeah, that will lead us all the way to Advent. Wow. And you know what? And I, I, I won't tell you, but I already got my Advent series. Wow, so, there you yeah. go. There you yeah, go. Yeah, here we go. overtime. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Which what, is awesome. what KC updates do we have before we go? Well, a lot of things are coming up. Uh, this is Labor Day weekend. Uh, we're going to the Need to Breathe concert Friday night. Oh, nice. So that'll be nice uh, over in Tampa. And then uh, Sunday, we're going to have all the King's Men back. And we are really trying to reformat that. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, it's all the King's Men, um, you know, how do we reach those around us? Um, and so that's going to start the d- discussion and really want to take that of kind of where we're headed to culture wars of, of next month's mm-hmm. KC Corner. Ooh, is that a spoiler? They all know oh, all that? No, that's so, all right. so that's, that's, that's right. good. A teaser. Exactly, spoiler. exactly. So, uh, and then um, 
You know, the big thing is that we're changing times on September 11th. We're going to go to 1030 worship. Uh, that allows us to, to roll out a KC in the AM, which is a, a Sunday school class. It's going to be great on foundations, and that's going to start on the 18th. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff coming. Uh, women's ministry is going to be cranking out. I think it's going to be the 15th, uh, if that's the Wednesday. This uh, No, that's the 14th. The 15th, we're going to start a, a Thursday morning creeds and coffee, going through the Heidelberg Catechism. With The 16th is going to be our next KC Family Connection a membership class. So a lot of things. A lot of things. I know that you're familiar with a, our incredible ministry coordinator, Amy. Yes, I've so, heard so, of her. So, yeah, so you know how busy we got her. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, anyway. that's, all, that's all I've got. That's That can be a wrap. That's uh, awesome, Brooks. Great wrap. Love being with you. Welcome back. See you guys Sunday.